Father, we thank you for Joel's testimony. We thank you for the way that you're using growing leaders here at MBT. We thank you that despite COVID, uh, the ministry's still moving forward. Lord, we're still sending to Boston and to Tampa, and, and uh, I know Living Faith and Lee Summit and Tampa are sending to Boston, and, and it's just a wonderful thing to see. Lord, we pray that that would only increase and redound to your glory. Lord, thank you for Wagi. Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank you for the way that you're using him in the lives of so many ministers, and Lord, we do pray for his safety. We pray for his health. We pray for traveling mercy. We pray for, for negative tests on the COVID, uh, uh, for, for authorization to board for the next leg of the journey. And uh, Lord, we pray for the resources. I know Wagi would do whatever it takes to be able to go. And, and so Lord, we pray that, that this would not result in poverty for him so that people can be blessed in the word. Uh, Lord, we just trust you for the resources to, to see that work fully funded. Uh, God, we, we, we know that you're gonna use Wagi and, and then Wagi is gonna give the glory to you, but Lord, our brothers in Egypt and Sudan will give glory to you as well and we rejoice in that. Lord, we lift up Mozambique to you. Um, Lord, I thank you for the work of the Voice of the Martyrs pointing out the suffering of your children all over the world so that we can effectively pray for them Lord, um, it's so tempting to, to, to think in terms of, of anger and, and to think in terms of vengeance even, and, and it all belongs to you. Lord, we beg you for the souls of Islamists that they would see the light of the gospel, and so God, we ask that Satan would be bound from their life, and that Lord, you would give us Muslims that, uh, that you would bless the church in places like Sudan and Mozambique and Uganda and, and uh, you know, Lord, in, in Malawi, uh, in, in Kenya. Lord, would you bless your church to be full of faith and, and those that can come alongside uh, that if Satan's bound, then the preaching of the gospel can shed light upon their mind and upon their heart, and they'd have an opportunity to see the gospel. They'd see your claims for what they really are. Lord, we want them to come to the place where they can worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, we pray for Arabic speakers in Kansas City. Would you bless the Arabic ministry here? Bless Wagi and, and the members to be effective in reaching out and starting Bible studies and, and growing in fellowship with Arabic speakers. Lord, we ask for souls all in, in Jesus' name. Lord, we do not rejoice in the idea of people dying outside of Christ and spending eternity separate for you, from you. And so, Lord, we ask for your help. Father, I pray for MBT. I pray for our focus on the fatherless, that, Lord, we'd continue to endeavor, both in terms of what we do. God, thank you for the Grayland 5K. Thank you for more resources now for, for, for orphans in, in Nepal, in India, in Malawi, for refugee children in Costa Rica, uh, to support fostering in Kansas City, to support children who are trafficked through Love International. 
Lord, I pray that you'd continue to burden our heart and that come Giving Tuesday in December that, that we'd again take up the largest offering of the year. Uh, Lord, we, wanna, we want the fatherless to know that there is a Father in heaven. And so, Lord, use us to bless children, to bless the orphan. We ask this in Jesus' name. Father, would you help us in Proverbs tonight? We wanna hear from you. We don't wanna waste our time just taking a, a, a secular-minded academic approach to seeing what your word says. God, we wanna hear, hear from you. And so, God, I pray that you'd set me and the weakness of my flesh, my stumbling lips, that, Lord, none of that would be distraction, but that, God, you through the power of your word, uh, your word is alive. In the power of your Holy Spirit, God, you're able to make us see and understand and hear, and you're able to convince and convict us. Lord, we want to hear from you, and we don't want to just be hearers. Lord, we want the things that we're seeing tonight are so geared for practical living. Uh, we want to live Christ. And so use tonight to mature us and to conform us more to the image of Christ. And then Lord, uh, as, you, as we follow your precepts and, and we receive the blessing of it, uh, I pray that we'd be bold to give testimony, to give witness that, that living out your word is blessing, that it means something to follow after Christ. And so, Lord, we trust this time, uh, our lives, our souls to you. Be glorified, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Okay, the digital copy of the notes is on the YouTube and the Facebook links and at mbtkc.org, so if you're with us online, you can grab it there. Uh, you can pull it up on your, on your uh, device here in the room, or you can get a hard copy. If you want hard copy and didn't get it, raise your hand, and somebody will bring you a set of the notes, and you'll just keep your hand up until they find it. You might want to wave, okay? Some of our, some of our, do we have some, anybody on this side? Everybody's got the notes? Okay, so Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. I wonder if we'll get through Proverbs, the whole book before the rapture of the church. I'm wondering. I tell you what, man, I'm, I'm not in a hurry. There's so much here. I feel like I'm rushing as it is. Um, it's, just, it's just a rich, a rich study. You guys ready to get to work? Eric's excited. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Get to work. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 11. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. So point number one, be a good neighbor. Be a good neighbor, that means something. See, the example is somebody that's void of wisdom, and we've, we saw that, I mean, we've seen that big time. It, Proverbs chapter six. We saw the destruction that can come in a life that's void of wisdom. But here, the person void of wisdom is despising, despising his neighbor. How? Well, it's with his mouth. Because a man of understanding, notice the, contract, notice the contrast, they keep their mouth shut. So you wanna get this down in your notes, okay? Stupid people is stupid harsh. You know, I feel like there's some words we can't use anymore. It's a word, y'all. Stupid people despise and spout off over what they don't know or understand. Uh, you just need to know that. Sometimes it's the dumbest people that talk the most. And in speaking, they despise their neighbor. And so get this down. Don't spout off until you understand the whole matter. 
Sometimes you'll hear somebody talking. Uh, You'll hear somebody discussing. You'll hear somebody propagating an idea or a response to something or describing some need and the fulfillment of that need and you walk in and you hear five seconds of the conversation and automatically you're an expert. And you interrupt this conversation of people who have been fasting and praying over the issue for five months. You've got five seconds under your belt and you know more than everybody in the room. Stupid, right? Don't be, be the quiet person in the room until you understand the whole matter. It's arrogant to do otherwise. I'm not angry, I'm just telling. (laughs) So make sure you understand, you know, if somebody's communicating and you're not liking what you're hearing, don't spout off, make sure you understand what they're actually saying. Uh, Somebody is speaking and you don't understand what they're saying, you just don't like what you're hearing and so you're gonna take it upon yourself to explain all the ways that they're wrong when really you don't understand what's going on. Be an active listener. Make sure you understand what the person is saying, where they're coming from, before you waste time trying to correct them. Does that make sense? That's just good communication. If you're void of wisdom, keep quiet. Because that's what the understanding do. They keep quiet until they come to a place of knowledge, and then they can speak with some wisdom. Understand where that person is, what they're saying, what what they're doing before you speak up. Don't be offensive in that way. So here's the principle. When in doubt, shut up. When in doubt, just shut up. Listen some more. Maybe ask some questions. Uh, But otherwise, silence makes sense. It's better to be quiet than say the wrong thing. It's better to be quiet than offend your brother or your sister because you're a know-it-all. Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in until, until, until afterward, because that's what smart people do. They wait until hindsight's 2020, and they're like, eh, I knew it. <laughs> well, yeah, of course you did. It's, it's, it's hindsight's 2020, that's how it works. But that's the smart play. Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. You want your perceived IQ to go up in the eyes of everyone? Keep your mouth shut. You're brilliant. Yeah, it's because you haven't heard me speak. Okay, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. So speaking of the mouth, look at verse 13. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. So what we're seeing here is a comparison between being a gossip and being faithful to people that need you. Being faithful to people, even though maybe they're not, you know, their life isn't all worked out. See, a gossip speaks when he should shut up. A gossip tells things that they ought to be quiet about. He tells things that should never be told. And so the problem is in the telling of not just false info, but of any information that should never be said. There are some things that are very true, but you have no business repeating them. There are some things that are very true, but you should not be spreading that information If you are faithful, if you're gonna be a faithful friend, if you're gonna be one of a faithful spirit, you're gonna keep quiet about the things that don't need to be brought up. You don't need to tell everyone everything that you know. I've been in ministry for a very long time, and my wife knows there's just some things I'm just not gonna bring up to her. Uh, I'm not gonna bring it up because it's not her business. Now, it's not that I can't tell my wife anything. My wife is someone who is of a faithful spirit. I can tell her anything, and I know that 
that information is gonna be safe. But why would I do that to her? Why would I tell her all of Eric's business? Why would I do that? Why would I tell her, I mean, why would I do that? Why would I tell her all of James Fife's business? Why would I do that? Um, you know, I, it, it's their business and the things that we talk about that we work through in life, that's between the two of us and, and the Lord, right? Uh, it's not my wife's business. She doesn't need to know that or if it's something that's really horrible. Why would I jade Cheryl on someone for no reason? You wanna be faithful, right, of a faithful spirit. See, a gossip, they're not just telling false information. Now that's, that's typically most gossip, a gossip, but it's the telling of anything that should not be said. Leviticus 19:16 says, thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Proverbs 16, 28, a froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Chapter 18, verse eight says, the words of a talebearer are wounds and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Have you ever said something that messed someone up? You told the wrong thing, and you remember when you saw how it damaged someone? It didn't just go to their innermost belly, right? It didn't just go to the innermost parts of them, but it kind of tore you up too. You remember that? When you said something that deeply hurt someone, you remember how it made you feel in your bowels? He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. 26.20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. Where there is no talebearer, the strife ceases. 26.22, the words of a talebearer are as wounds. Ezekiel 22.9, watch this. In thee are men that carry tales to shed blood. Holy smokes. You can set people at war with your mouth and in thee they eat upon the mountains, in the midst of thee they commit lewdness. So anytime something is wrong, you do have to speak up. Make sure that your words fall out to edification. You want what you say to be edifying to people. You don't want it to be to their destruction, you want it to be to their, to their edification. And particularly when someone is in a mess, when somebody's made a mess of their life, Galatians 6.1 doesn't instruct us to make sure that the whole church knows through our prayer requests, you know, we break up for a season of prayer. Everything that they laid out was really good, but let me tell you about sister so-and-so. She really needs prayer. And then you proceed to just defame her character, you know. Uh, no, here's what you do. If, if someone's overtaken in a fault, Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The point where you're tempted to look down on someone and to trash them and to despise them over their current position of low estate, uh, you run the risk of God showing you how fallible you are. And so it's better for us to humble ourselves. It's better for us to keep ourselves in a place of humble dependence before the Lord. And when somebody does need straightening out, we're not doing it as a Lord, we're not doing it gleefully, uh, we're not jeering, we're not making fun. What we're doing is we wanna see them moving forward in faith. We wanna see them talking to the Lord. We wanna see them thriving with the Lord, thriving in the word of God, not telling their business to everyone. Verse number 14, point number two. So again, we're still talking about the mouth. Be wise, be humble, and ask for input. It's always good to get input. 
you don't know everything, so you gotta, you gotta ask for, you gotta ask for wisdom. Verse 14 says, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And we need this, we need a lot of counsel in our life because the danger is, the way we're wired in terms of the flesh, is we tend to go a way that's right in our own eyes, and the end of that way, it's very dangerous, isn't it? It can lead to death. Um, we've brought this up several times in our study in Proverbs. Proverbs 21.2 says, every man, right, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. You may think you're right, and you may see why you're right, but the Lord sees what's really true. So you wanna get counsel of him. In Judges 21, nobody cared what the Lord thought. In those days there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes and that's why you see a cycle of failure over and over again in the book of Judges because everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. So Christian, the good news is God gave you a lot of counselors. You're never gonna lack for wisdom. As a matter of fact, you were given 66 counselors in your King James Bible. You got 66 wise counselors so take heed, Proverbs 1.5 says, a wise man will hear and will increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. And so if you're smart, you're gonna pay attention to what the word speaks. Word of God speak, I'm on the bus, it's time to go to school. So God gave you 66 counselors in your Bible, he also gave you his spirit to instruct you, and Jesus said as much in John 14, the Holy Ghost, the Father will send, right, verse 26 says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. So God gave you his word, he gave you his spirit, what else did he give you? He gave you the church, right, he gave you brethren, he gave you brothers and sisters in Christ to give you counsel, to help you understand the will of the Lord, to understand a way that is right before God. Uh, we've brought this up many times, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. You find out the whole body is given to every member of the body so that every member can grow in wisdom and knowledge. They can grow in, in right doctrine so that they can grow up into the head, right, into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ because they have the mind of Christ. They know the word of Christ. They're not blown away by every false teaching, every crazy thing that comes down the, comes down the road they're able to stand and move forward in faith because they know the word of God. You need your brothers and sisters in your life. You're gonna get insight in the Bible and you're gonna get this insight from, I mean it's gonna be from the Bible and every once in a while it'll be crazy and you need brothers and sisters in your life to say, bro, that's cray cray. You could do better than that. And so you need that, you want that input in your life. If your brothers, if your sisters can't get with what you're seeing in scripture, it's not a big deal. Even if you, what you're seeing is right, it's not a big deal. Don't make it a point of division. Certainly don't stake your life to it. If it's a big deal, we're all gonna be able to see it, amen? Otherwise, if there's a room full of people and we're all saying that the Bible says A, but you're absolutely 100% convinced that the Bible says B, Statistically, who's probably gonna be wrong? It's probably gonna be B, right? Um, God gave us his word, he gave us his spirit, and he gave you your brothers and sisters 
to keep you moving forward in his wisdom. All right, let's shift gears and let's talk about money. Verse 15, don't loan money. Just don't do that, don't loan out money. Somebody says, could you loan me some money? I love you. That's the answer. Could you loan me some money? Man, I love you, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray, I don't need prayer, I need money. No, you really need prayer. Don't loan money. Verse 15, he that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. It's gonna hurt. And he that hateth suretyship, there's the word, he that hateth suretyship is sure. That's a tongue twister, isn't it? He that hateth suretyship is sure. I can't say that five times fast. I'll slip up and say something wrong. <laughs> he that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it, and he that hateth suretyship is sure. Okay, so <laughs> we, we just, again, Proverbs 6, there's so much there. Here, here it is in a nutshell, okay? So we already, we already kind of seen this principle, but here in, 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 in this verse, verse 15, it's riskier than ever because it's with a stranger. And look at the guarantee. If you're surety for a stranger, you're gonna regret it. Do you see that? Make no mistake, you're going to regret it. It's riskier when it's a stranger, so if you're gonna give it, just kiss it goodbye because it's, it's not coming back. You, you will smart for it. So verse 15 is pretty straightforward. Verse 16, we see a value comparison. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. Okay, you know, again, we're seeing this comparisons and contrasts in, in Proverbs over and over again. This one thing is set over against another thing, or this one thing illustrates another thing. And, and so here we see a gracious woman retaining honor and a strong man retaining riches. Okay, what's that all about? Well here, God, you know, God through Solomon is giving us insight in terms of gender values. Uh, he made us different. Viva la difference, right? I mean, praise the Lord for the differences. Dudes, can I get an amen? Um, my wife, is, I'm just gonna, conservatively, my wife is 20 times more gracious than I am in her, I'm not just talking about just overall in terms of her wiring, I'm talking about the way she speaks, the way she treats people, the way she walks. Everything about her, she's more gracious than everything about me. I'm the guy in the kitchen that kinda had to really get it together in terms of table manners. Uh, my kids didn't learn any table manners from me. They got them all from their mom. She's a gracious woman. If it were just me raising our kids, you would have seen all my kids belch and fart at the, at, at, at the table. I mean, that's just no grace coming from me. It's all from mom. Uh, she's just more gracious than I am. The way she talks, the way she walks, her manner, her being. So, so a gracious woman retaineth honor. Now that's not to say that men can't be gracious, okay? Uh, that's, I'm just saying stereotypically, a gracious woman retaineth honor. Well what about the men? Well a strong man retain riches. Uh, this is why in most homes, the man's always grousing about the budget. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it, not, not, not always, again, stereotypically. Uh, men are wired to make sure that tomorrow's taken care of because they're the providers in their family. Uh, you've got examples of each value in both genders, but again, stereotypically, strong men retain riches. 
Uh, because God made them to provide for their family. As a matter of fact, the New Testament tells us that a man that does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel. To, to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not providing for your family, uh, you're living worse than, in, in God, from God's perspective, you're living worse than a lost man. Isn't that amazing? And that's not to say that, that, that strong women can't retain riches. Uh, that's, that's not to say that. That's not to say that men can't be gracious. Have you ever met Pastor Sam Shockley? One of the most gracious men on the planet. Uh, but again, that is the comparison. Now, in verses 17 through 21, you've got a value contrast. And in verse 17, you see the merciful man compared to the cruel, or the righteous man compared to the wicked, in verse 18. Uh, the righteous pursuit versus the evil pursuit, verse 19. And so just look at this, verse 17, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. In verse 18, he sows righteousness and it's a sure reward for him. In verse 19, it tends to life. In verse 20, the Lord delights in how he rolls. And then in verse 21, his children are blessed because of his righteous investment. So verse 17, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Mercy is good for your own soul. It makes you a better person, showing mercy. Sometimes you, you, know, you want justice, you want your due, but to show mercy, that's Christ-like, and that is good, that develops you as a person. It's good for your soul. Now that's contrast with the cruel and what they do, they don't bless their own soul, Notice they trouble their own flesh. Look at 17b. But he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. Why? Look at verse 18. Well, he works a deceitful work. And what does that result in? Verse 19. Well, it results in his own death. Why? Well, verse 20. The way he rolls, it's a crooked way, right? He has a crooked heart, so he's an abomination to the Lord. And verse 21, he has a confederation of wickedness, and it's still punished, even though he can get and maybe he, in some cases, get an entire nation on his side, it's still gonna be punished. To show mercy is good for you. That matures you. But now, here's one that troubles his own flesh. He that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. That word troubleth is the exact same word that's used in Joshua 7.25 concerning Achan. And Joshua says, why hast thou troubled us? So Achan makes a mess for Israel, but look at the mess it makes for his own flesh. The Lord shall trouble thee this day, and Israel, all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Not a spot, eh? It's a bad day. Ahab accuses Elijah of being the troubler of Israel. Haven't had rain in years. It's Elijah's fault. No, it's not. The wicked king, right? He's the one that brought calamity to his nation by leading them into idolatry. The promise of scripture is that there wouldn't be rain over Israel when she's pursuing wickedness. He is the troubler of Israel. Verse 18, the wicked work this is a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness there shall, shall, shall uh, to, to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. So this falls under the category, you can recognize a tree by its fruit, uh, if, a, if, if somebody says they're a Christian but they live lost, something's off. 
But here's the key, Galatians 6 verse eight says if we sow to our flesh, right, if we work a deceitful work, um, it, it's, it's a cruel work, it causes trouble, okay, if you work a deceitful work, well if you sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh corruption. Now for the righteous, there's a sure reward, and so if you sow to the spirit, you're gonna reap life. Watch the rest of Galatians 6. But he that soweth to the spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life ever, everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And so that's the point of turning. If you'll repent, okay, if you're saying, the way I'm living, it's cruel. It's twisted before the Lord. I've been troubling my own flesh, right? I've been, I've been, I've been working a deceitful work. The way I'm rolling is contrary to Scripture. I've been sowing to the flesh, and I, I just keep reap, reaping corruption. So what I do is I repent, and I start sowing to the Spirit. And so instead of taking my flesh to all the places in the world that bring me the pleasure I'm seeking after the flesh, what I'm doing now is I'm getting accountable with brothers and sisters. I'm getting in the Word of God. I'm getting accountable to live out its precepts in my life. I'm getting involved with my local church in learning the word of God, but then learning how to use it in the lives of people. What am I now doing? I'm, I'm beginning to no longer sow to the flesh, but I'm starting to sow to the spirit. As I get the word of God in my life, the Holy Spirit uses it to put handles on my life. All of a sudden, I'm not thinking like I used to think. The things that bring me pleasure and joy, uh, they don't cut it like they used to. Now I start longing for and I start hungering after the things of God. What I see in scripture, I want it to be true in my life. And then as I mature, I don't want it to just be true in my life, but I want it to be true in the lives of others. And the, and the word of God begins burning in my heart and I have to start telling people what the Lord has said, what the Lord has given his people. And now all of a sudden, I'm with my brothers and sisters, sowing to the spirit. I'm sowing the word of God into the, not just in my own heart and life, but into the hearts and lives and minds of other people. And now all of a sudden the word of God is taking root. Man, brothers and sisters, do we have faith that the word of God works in the lives of people? I mean, either the word of God is alive or it's just another dusty old book. The word of God, it's alive, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We get that book open and it starts changing people. If we can get the lost, get their eyes in the Bible with us, it'll change who they are. It will take them apart and put them back together for the glory of God. So now I'm sowing to the Spirit. What's happening now? Now instead of sowing, reaping corruption in my flesh, I start reaping after the Spirit. And here's the key, verse nine, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You may have spent the last 20 years destroying your life with drugs. If you'll spend the next 20 years smoking this script, oh, man, you're gonna get high in a good way. And it won't just be you. Some other people are gonna get their minds blown by this script. They're gonna get their minds blown by the, by the medicine that's in this book. And it's gonna change how they roll. And all of a sudden, their life is changed. And, and these, are, these are, I mean, these are radically transforming encounters, right? The living God just takes a person apart and puts them back together and they're never the same. You know, a lot of people, they get taken apart and put back together with meth and their lives are never the same. So don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep sowing to the Spirit. Keep being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep, just don't grow weary, don't faint. You'll reap. 
Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly, but if we sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. What are you gonna invest your life in? What are you gonna give your life to, to the doing of? You're gonna just waste it? Um, Sam, didn't we see an advertisement for another Gears of War, Gods of War? What is it? It was another something. It's the same stupid video game. They just keep putting it out with different graphics and a different storyline. They pay some. They pay some ding dong, you know, a few thousand dollars to write some new storyline, and and then you go spend your eighty bucks or whatever it is, to do, and then waste a month of your life trying to win the boss level. I mean, it's just Pac-Man. But it works, man, and people just give their lives to foolish things. Lord, help us. Verse 19, the righteousness tendeth life, the evil pursue it to his own death. The pursuit of evil will destroy you. We're out of time. Verse 20, they that are of a froward heart are an abomination to the Lord. You live crooked, it's disgusting to God. Follow the book, you delight him. Verse 21, you can have wickedness coordinated. And it can be on a national level. Kings of the East come. And they're gonna have their own way instead of God's plan. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes and straightens out the governments of this world. You know, in Psalms 2, they imagine vanity against the Lord. They rail, they rage against the Lord's anointed. They're not gonna have him rule over them. And the Lord laughs at that. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Hand can join in hand. The wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Father, I pray that you'd take your word and that you'd use it to encourage us. We wanna move forward in faith. We wanna follow you according to your word, not our own reckoning. And so God, I, just as we dismiss, I pray your blessing over my brothers and sisters. God, you're worth being right with. Help us to quit with the excuses, the reasons for why we can't, we can't follow faith, the reasons why we can't follow after what your word says over our lives. And so Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I'm asking that you would meet us where we're at. Uh, in each of these verses, Lord, would you meet us where we're at and would you show us our need Lord, don't let us get away with nodding our head and saying, I need to make this change and then be like the person that sees what's wrong in the mirror and then walking away straight away, forget what's the change that's desperately needed. Lord, help us, I'm begging that you'd help us to see our lives from your perspective. God, we are your people and so Lord, we're begging, we're trusting that you will work in our hearts and our minds and our lives and be glorified. We pray in Christ's name, amen.